because of his great love for us, we're drawn to love and commit ourselves to him. And that too is a work of the Holy Spirit in our heart. The setting here, just a little bit of a background. In Romans 1 through 4, chapters 1 through 4, Paul wrote that people everywhere needed to be saved because everyone had sinned against God. With Romans chapter 5, he affirmed that people who give themselves to Christ can be confident that he has made them right with God through his crucifixion and resurrection. Now they can enjoy the blessings of righteousness and reconciliation. In chapter 6, which we'll talk about some other lesson on uh, ahead in this book, Paul describes how believers can grow spiritually in their walk with Christ. One of the first questions in this lesson, it asks us, what lessons about commitment were you taught when you were growing up? I don't know about you all, but I remember being taught by my mom and dad that if you started something, you were going to finish it. You were not going to quit. You were going to see it through to the end. Whether it was, uh, if it was over, it could be like a sports team or a project maybe that you were involved with, uh, you were in it to win it. There was no thought about quitting. Let's go ahead and read some verses here. And a little background here in this very first verse. I want to allude to this before we read it. For when we were yet without strength. Think about that. Have you ever been in a situation where you were without strength? Maybe you were sick. Maybe you were in the hospital. Maybe you were just exhausted. But we're talking here about spiritual helplessness. And that's exactly where we were, is uh, without strength. If someone would like to begin reading these verses. Go ahead, Susie. Okay, Susie, thanks. We'll, we'll stop right there, and we'll discuss these verses a little bit. All three members of the Trinity are involved in salvation. The Father loved us so much that he sent his Son to bridge the gap between us. And everyone knows John 3.16. The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with love and to enable us to live by his power. And that's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. 
with all this loving care, how can we do less than serve him completely? We already see Christ's commitment to us and what he's done. How can we do any less than to fully commit our lives uh, to him? We were helpless because we could do nothing on our own to save ourselves. Someone had to come and rescue us. Christ came at exactly the right time in history. According to God's own schedule, God controls all of history, and he controlled the timing, method, and event surrounding Jesus' death. It was all ultimately in God's hands. The, your salvation, your individual salvation when you came uh, to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was all orchestrated by God's hand in his perfect time. He lets you go through and uh, may perhaps kept you from self-destructing and at the appointed time he drew you by the power of the Holy Spirit unto himself. God could have left us that way, powerless, but he didn't. He took the initiative to address our sin problem while we were yet sinning against him. Even while we continue to reject him and grow more hostile against him, he stepped in with the answer to our sin problem that would save us from the judgment to come. Every effort to save ourselves from the penalty of our sin had failed miserably. We had no hope of delivering ourselves. Our helplessness placed us in a desperate situation. We needed someone, and our only hope rested in God taking the initiative to deliver us from our sin. God responded to our helplessness by sending Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. He came to die for us even though we were ungodly individuals. Now think about, would you die for someone? We know in the military that soldiers will often take a bullet for their comrades. And we know that a mother or a father of children would gladly lay their life down for their children. But it tells us here that we, we fight through medical dilemmas, try to take care of ourselves, and we try to stay away from life-threatening situations. We don't want to die. We kind of want to try to self-preserve that but uh, scarcely would uh, someone lay, lay their life down, even for a righteous man, or even particularly a good person. So it's kind of out of character for us to consider laying our life down for someone. We like our life, and we, we're sorry if someone else is going to die, but don't ask me to, to take their place. It kind of goes against our way of thinking. 
but who in the world would die for someone who hated him? Would you die for your enemy? I don't think we would. It's, it's not our natural way of, of thinking. Our sinful ways separate us from God. We rebelled against him. We became hostile towards him. Instead of showing that he had no interest in saving us from our helplessness because of our sin, he shows us something completely different. He commendeth his love for us and overflows from his heart. And the love that God commends, commends to us is the agape uh, form of love. His love has not been generated by our love for him. He doesn't love because we loved him first. He loved us first. And we love him now because he first loved us and has shown his love. Terry. Yes. And it also helps us too, I think, Terry, to understand just where we are is uh, for while we were yet sinners. Some people go through life and they think that they're okay. And we have different, uh, if you're good, God will love you. If you get your act together, God will accept you. That was my reasoning before I got saved. If I can just straighten up a little bit and uh, maybe go to church once in a while, uh, me and God will be good. Well, that, that wasn't the case. Ronnie. That's right. Absolutely. While we were yet sinners, God sent Jesus Christ to die for us, not because we were good enough, but because he loved us so much. Whenever you feel uncertain about God's love for you, remember that he loved you even before you turned to him. That, that's unfathomable. For us to comprehend uh, such a great love is that yes let's uh, often we'll try to ask God to prove his love for us let's say say that we're sick uh, re please God restore our health or we may ask him to give us resources to show how he loves us. Perhaps we may even expect him 
to validate his love by restoring broken relationships with others. That's, that's all well and good, but we've got, a, we've got a problem, and that's the sin problem. That's what we need to be concerned about. God has already proved that he loves us. Uh, those demonstrations of his love may help us in that moment of struggle, but they don't tend to our greatest need, which is to be saved from our sin. For that reason, even when we were yet sinners, and we continue to ignore and reject and rebel against him, he provided the only way for us to be saved, providing our salvation required Christ to die for us. Paul used agape to describe the love God displayed towards sinners, and the gospel accounts of Jesus' death reveal the depth of God's love and commitment uh, towards his people. Justification describes the divine transaction through which our sins are forgiven and the righteousness of Jesus is applied to our account. And that's what happens when we get saved. We are then justified. Let's go ahead and read some more verses. If someone would like to. All right, Ronnie, let, let's stop right there and we'll uh, move forward here in just a minute. Some of the key words in this, uh, these passages are justified, which we just talked about, and also the word atonement. It takes place when enemies stop fighting each other and become friends who go in the same direction together. By rejecting God's offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. We are enemies of God. God is not our friend. And that, that's what that talks about, that when we do come to a saving faith and receive Jesus Christ into our hearts, we become friends of God. We also become sons of God and are reconciled into a right relationship with God. Ronnie. You know, that's one thing I can never understand about some people. <clears throat> I realized it most of my life. That how in the world can somebody think that they are justified just, you know, just to pray and not go down on their knees and repent? You know what I mean? And just think that they're going to get by with that. You know, and a lot of people believe that. It must be genuine, Ronnie. And it, it must be from the heart. That, that we come, God looks upon the heart and knows you may have everybody in here fooled, uh, come to the altar and leave and maybe never see you again. So did you really receive Christ or 
uh, what, what happened. And I've seen it happen. Uh, people come in the emotion of the time and uh, the actual act of salvation maybe doesn't take place. There's some confusion or something as to where they don't receive uh, the Lord's forgiveness. Go ahead, Susie. Amen. They walk in darkness. Susie, they walk in darkness and they know not at what they stumble is what happens. Jesus made a commitment to us, Susie. Jesus made a commitment to us. He went to the cross and died on the cross to save us. He was resurrected the third and appointed day and ascended back to heaven. The will is written. Let, let's, let's use the example of a will being written out to someone. And let's say you, go ahead, Terry. Let's say that you have an unscrupulous executor of that will that doesn't carry it out as such as it should be. Maybe he manipulates the situation, changes some things to where everything that maybe was entitled to you ends up going to him and you get cheated out. Well, in this instance, Jesus not only died on the cross, was resurrected the third and appointed day, he ascended back to heaven to ensure that the will was going to be carried out because he's going to be the one that's going to carry it out. So we are saved not only by his death and resurrection, we are also saved by his life.
Amen. For the believer. Born twice, die once. Amen. That's awesome when God reveals himself to you uh, that way. The love that caused Christ to die is the same love that sends the Holy Spirit to live in us and guide us every day. The power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that saved you and is available to you in your daily life. Be assured that having begun a life with Christ, you have a reserve of power and love to call on each day for help to meet every challenge or trial. You can pray for God's power and love as you need it. He saved you to the uttermost. He didn't save you and then said, well, I'll see you later. I'm going to call you to heaven some other, someday, but uh, you're on your own now. He's with us every step of the way, enabling us to endure the tribulations and the things that we go through. I learned something new the other day when I was studying about tribulation. Tribulation comes from a Greek word, tribulum, and it was a, a beam of wood with spikes in it that they would drag across the grain to separate the wheat from the chaff and it was called a tribulum and that's where we get the tribulation from that word sometimes we feel like somebody's dragging that beam with the spikes across us but we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him so all the trials and tribulations that we go through and endure are for our good and for his glory. God has a plan. And he's putting us through, through some things. Such as the church. What we're going through right now. God's not putting us through this to uh, close the doors on the church. He has a plan. He's doing some work in here. He's doing some work individually. And he's doing some work collectively on, on this body of believers. Go ahead, Ronnie, and I see you, Terry. Go ahead, Terry. Yes.
Yes. Yes. Then, in my mind, I wonder whether they were really saved. If it was genuine. That's not up to me, you know. I've had the privilege of witnessing to hundreds of people, maybe a thousand, in my life. And, uh, of course, not all of them got saved in that book. Yes. And they won't come. They don't come. They don't go to church. Next thing you know, they're doing those same old things that they did before. Because we didn't get a chance to disciple. Very important. These new converts. It's like the parable of the seeds. Some seeds falls on stony ground and blossoms for a season, but then quickly withers because there's no substance. There's no foundation. What you're talking about, the discipleship, is important we we need to take new converts and encourage them call them uh show them where where to read where to begin reading uh put a a plan in in uh in the way of how to read through the bible uh setting aside times for devotion uh for prayer Go ahead. Yes. In that way. Very true. And in doing that, they begin to mature and come along. They go from the milk uh, to the meat. Yes. That's absolutely. Oh, you're fine, Terry. I, it's like I've told people, I, I never learned anything by talking. I, I learned by listening, so I, I welcome, welcome your input. Uh, concerning verse 11, 
by whom now we receive uh, the atonement. A comment on that. God is holy and he will not be associated with sin. All people are sinful and all sin deserves punishment. Instead of punishing us with the death we deserve, however, Christ took our sin sins upon himself and paid the price for them with his own death. Now we can joy in God through faith in his work. We become his friends rather than being enemies and outcast. We've been reconciled to God. We are in a right standing uh, with God. D does that mean that we're perfect now? We, we got this going on now. No, we fail every day. And we need to seek him every day for his guidance, for his mercy and forgiveness, because we're still in this flesh. And the flesh wars against the spirit continuously. So we need to listen to the, to the spirit. Go ahead, Terry. Go ahead, buddy. Yes. All sinners saved by grace. What you do is, you know, verse 1 9, John 1 9. I think Satan lies in wait yeah. for new Christians. You're riding that mountaintop when you're first saved, and man, it's great. But then you mess up, and then you think, man, I'm not saved. And that's Satan telling you that. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. He's the accuser. He can't take their soul. No. He can make them useless and then they have a tendency to think, well, what's the use? I can't live this. So I, I go. We just, uh, God brings us along at, at different rates, Susie. God bring, brings us along at different rates. Some are not as mature as others, and that uh, is in due time and according to the time and dedication that you are to reading and studying and praying. Amen. Let me give you a couple verses here. We're not even going to get to the other Sorry. verses. Uh, it's, that's not anybody's fault. This, 
if, if we learned anything in this brief time, that's great because we still have it in print right here. We can go back later on this afternoon and keep reading it. We can read it next week. We can look at it again. But the interaction here with, with each and every one of us together, that is where I think that we grow in uh, the fellowship and the worship of God's word, Julie. That's right, because that, that's the foundation by which we, we build on is learning these basic tenets uh, first and then building upon that, that knowledge. Ronnie. You're going to have to deal with his wrath. Amen. Ephesians 2, 3 tells us, among whom also we also had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfill, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is a good verse. I'm going to keep going until they tell me to stop. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 John 2.1, 
My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Father, or Jesus Christ, the righteous. Believers can have joy during trials because we know that God can use those trials for his glory. Are, are they sometimes painful? Yes, they are. They're debilitating. But it's where we draw from Christ's strength living in us that we're able to keep going. And it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. God lets us experience him in a new way uh, through some of these trials and tribulations. I'm sorry we didn't get to the other verses, but that's sometimes that's the way it is. So I thank you. I see people getting ready to come in. I love you, and we'll, if God wills, we'll do it again next week. Thank you, thank you for your patience.